Hello and welcome to PM Podcasts, a session that sees us take a regular walk in and around the world of transformation, agile, PMOs and change management. Each commutable size podcast includes a short discussion and tips presented by subject matter experts in the industry. And today on the PM Podcast, we're talking to Tony Ede, Executive Director, Future Delivery Network at Sydney Trains, and Ken Sheargold, Chief Executive Officer at PM Partners Group. Now, Tony, you've just led, you're still leading the majority of a very large-scale public-facing transformation to take Sydney Trains into the next century, and we've explored this detail in a previous podcast. Today, we're here to discuss the bigger picture of how you've achieved this and to hear from both you and Ken some perspectives and lessons to take on board for those contemplating or embarking upon a major change program in their organisation. Now, in a nutshell, Tony, can you just provide a very brief overview of what the transformation um, has entailed at Sydney Trains? Well, thanks, Joe. And um, yes, it's been a quite a hell of a journey um, over the last couple of years getting to the point where, you know, we're focusing on that future transport model and notwithstanding the transformation change over that next few years uh, is far surpasses anything we've done before even the rock um, and how we get ourselves uh, properly aligned and focused and you know set the teams and get ourselves in a position to deliver that is going to be something that uh, we will certainly need some help with as we go through this journey. Terrific. Thank you. Now, let's go right back to the start. Um, Not quite. I know you've been 40 years at Sydney Trains, not quite back to the start of that. Um, But can you describe that point of no return where you knew that things absolutely had to change, that the current situation was no longer tenable or sustainable? Um, And can you outline what may uh, be happening for other organisations that can help them recognise that point of need to change? Well, that's a very, very good question because, you know, future network delivery is a is a directorate that's young and which is one that I lead that sort of sets the tone for the next few years and helps deliver the big projects into the business so that BAU can continue to operate. I remember going into the Chief Executive's office in um, around mid-2015 and articulating that the growths are heading around 15 to 20% across the, across the board. Uh, government is investing heavily. We've got a new timetable to bring in in 2017. We've got a rail operation centre that's just starting, you know, to be on the forefront of our mind. And we've got new trains to buy. And you know, we've got uh, a project that a safety project called ATP that's got to be rolled out onto the network. The sum of all those projects added up to about 41 billion dollars. And the, and I remember walking in his office and saying, we cannot cope with all the skills we got to be able to deliver all those projects without having a single focus, a, a department that focuses directly on all those mega projects and allows the business to continue to function to move the 1.3 million people every day and hence the creation. What I didn't expect as the Chief Operating Officer for Sydney Trains for, for my CEO to say, well, good, now that you've come up with it, come out of your day job and do it which is what ended up occurring and and then you know the penny did drop and say well fantastic what an absolute honor to be able to represent the organization to not only deliver these major projects but to absolutely shape the future you know with with our colleagues in transport infrastructure new south wales you know the government and my peers around sydney trains which i would collaborate with to make sure that we've got the mix and everybody's on board and wanting to move to this new operating model in the future you know, and here we are today talking about it. Yeah. And uh, you know, it frightens me to think what we have to deliver to to move 
about 2.6 million people by 2024. And uh, we're on that journey. That's great. And Ken, from your experience, um, have you observed at organisations that point of no return um, where people realise that they just can't um, can't keep the existing status quo, that it really has to change? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I don't think this is uncommon. I think they get to a point where the challenge is potentially greater than the resources they've got available or uh, the body of work's too big to uh, do unilaterally. I, I think... Uh, the, the good thing I saw in this is the recognition, uh, you know, to Tony's great credit, I think the selection of the sponsor of mm-hmm. these programs is uh, the sort of uh, the, the first decision that needs to be made to deliver uh, the outcomes you want for the citizens. In this case, the broad body of work that Tony did. Uh, that executive has to be uh, have a couple of things, I think, a, a track record of delivery, um, high emotional intelligence because... Uh, they have to deal with so many complex stakeholders in government internally and uh, the citizens themselves. And I think uh, the recognition that uh, Tony was the right guy for the job, I, I think, was the first milestone decision. Uh, and and uh, as it panned out, a good one, uh, albeit Tony would recognise, like I would, that there's still a long way to go to 2024 and much more work to be done. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess the natural next question is, when you reach that point of no return, how where do you even start thinking about what to do um, and who do you need at that point to support you in embarking upon that change? Well, look, there's a whole lot of levers available to us to pull. First and foremost, it's very important to note that if you reach a point of no return, you're in serious trouble. So you need to be able to position yourself to understand uh, that you're reaching that, that journey without getting there and, and you know, doing some quick wins and some quick runs on the boards to sort of prop up the network while you're getting about deciding what you need to do. The second thing for mine is is that to be able to um, put together the facts, the artefacts, uh, and anything else you can get your hands on that would demonstrate um, the journey you need to take. You, you have to find the money, and the way to do that is to you know to be very strategic about its approach. Um, you know, manage by the facts that this is coming, and demonstrate using real data. And you know, we've got this Opal data now that is so rich of information that helps us determine a lot of the way we build the future. But you know, if you, if you take that rock example for a minute, um, we could not have done that without um, external support. We could not have told the story and, and reefed the financials, like get the money from government without support from, from our client. And you know, P and Partners played a, a pivotal role in helping us uh, pull that together and, and um, and essentially helping us project manage it to the finish line is, and I talk it as a delivery partner, so it wasn't just me, we partnered with PM Partners to, to get this over the line. We could not have done it at all uh, without you know, Ken's support at the top and providing us with the capability to do it. So I think um, for mine is, is that in my own personal journey, I've been able to tell the story of today, tell the story of the future, tell the story in the middle about if we don't do it this way and this is what the end state would look like and be able to um, I guess bring people on that journey to to help you know us shape what that future looks like yeah. now I, I'm not suggesting that I've come up with all the ideas there's much smarter people than me to do that but I am the operator of this railway that's been here for 40 years and understands intimately what we need to do to increase the capacity to, to manage our customers effectively, to drive 
um, change in the business through a whole lot of you know custom practices and EBAs and awards and conditions to get us to that end state. And and I've played my role um, with government, with transport, with our executives to ensure that we are in good shape for these programs into the future. Great, thanks, Tony. Oh yeah, I, look, I think uh, one thing Tony did and uh, trains did was baseline exactly where they were. I think that was sort of the, the first point where they looked at existing governance arrangement, program controls, delivering mechanisms. So Tony had a model uh, by which to go forward that he could actually track and, and deliver to milestones. I think additionally, I, I mean, uh, I mentioned Tony as uh, the executive sponsor, but also the program director and the emotional relationship they have with the sponsor, I think is a critical part of the human element of delivering transformations, which is fundamentally a, a rethink of your whole business model and the way you operate. So I think the selection of people for teams, I think the baselining, having the proper controls uh, in place, allowed the, the sponsor and the Sydney Trains team to communicate exactly where they were at any point in time. And, uh, funnily enough, it always saves money in the end. You, if the money spent for setting up for success like Tony did, actually over time actually generates a benefit in dollar terms. Uh, not only great for citizens, uh, but extraordinarily good for the taxpayers as well. That's great. And that actually leads me on to a question about energy, culture and people. Thanks, Ken. It's, you know, it's uh, integral to success, um, this component of a transformation. How do you even start assembling a team, um, the right team with the requisite skills? And then how do you make sure this team remains the right team at each point in the transformation? Well, I think we selected, uh, we, we knew Tony well. I think we selected people that we could believe could support Tony with the, the, the good skills, the best uh, people we could muster uh, to do this transformation, given the the importance of it to uh, citizens, customers, you know, every everyone that travels on a train, including myself. Uh, look, I was confident we did that. I, I think equally, the team that's on the ground supporting Tony do what he needed to do, also had uh, enormous uh, support at the back end of the business, um, which which demonstrates how important it is that uh, teamwork in terms of external partners versus internal people actually work for the benefit of the of the citizen and i'm confident tony we did that yes you know ken you certainly did do that and I, there's plenty of phone calls to ken and to to others in PM partners to say i need this skill set and i need it tomorrow whether it's a trainer designed to build me some training material right through to a very highly technical expert in IT or electrical capability or whatever else. The, the point still remains is, is that, you know, a project or a program that we're dealing with has different life cycles. And, you know, I've mentioned it in an earlier pod that don't be afraid to churn up or change the program or the project team to provide your capability for the next cycle of that project because there's several different, as you all know, several different pro cycles within that whole end-to-end pro -end project. And uh, if you follow that completely, you'll find yourself, um, you know, changing up what you need, but don't also be afraid to say that we don't have that capability within. And I think that's where we fall over a lot in government projects or within our, in, in my own section with other colleagues because they try to manage everything within. Yeah. And they don't think laterally that, you know, a small investment here 
will save you in the long run. It certainly does, but it actually saves you on time, cost, and material. Yeah, so it's, it's 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 not just a small thing. It's mm. a it's a big part of the actual methodology about how you yeah. deliver a project. So this was a very high-profile public-facing transformation, for example, compared to um, an internal business transformation that's not up to as much scrutiny, for example, from media or citizens, um, government and other stakeholders, unions I know you've talked about. Mm -hmm. How do the tools and strategy and techniques that you use embark upon this differ, um, if they do differ at all? And if not, why not? Well, some of your typical tools that you would use in in your bloody toolbox uh, and Ken brought a lot to the table to help us with it some we made up on the way (laughs) and I'm not kidding (laughs) Uh, you know some of the stuff we had to reinvent we had to repurpose we had to reinvent we had to use existing um, tools that we had in our toolkit Uh, but for those that are listening and and truly uh, are interested and face this sort of stuff there is no true right or wrong uh, there is models that you follow that are tried and tested. There are people that are very experienced to help you along the way. What you need to do is to be able to think clearly and and know exactly what you want to deliver at the end state. I mean, completely understand that is very important. Know the journey you want to take along the way to deliver it. Uh, know what sort of budget you've got and how to live within that budget. What are your objectives and your purpose? Uh, and then lean on um, experts within the industry that can actually help you navigate uh, your way through the project by means of letting them provide you with some of the heavy lifting. Yeah. When I talk about lifting, they do some of the thinking as well. They'll assemble a team and help you build it. Yeah. Uh, and then not only that, uh, they'll stay with you to the finish line. And I think that's part of the success of what we've had with PM Partners in this journey of rock because. Uh, I never once thought in the whole journey from end to end that I didn't have the support of the entire executive team or the people that worked within PM Partners because it was just simply a phone call. I needed this help, this was my problem, and the rest, you know, mm. we just made it happen. Yeah. And um, Ken, I know collaboration is incredibly strong to PM mm. Partners and to you as well. Can mm. you ex- expand on that a little bit further? Well, well, I think there's a couple of things with transformation that, that Tony sort of touched on is one, they're hard, mm-hmm. uh, really hard to deliver, and there's plenty of blockers that will come on any transformation. I think uh, you, you have to be, as a team, collect- collectively very adaptive and resilient. But, but more importantly, Tony uh, talked about teamwork. It's the values within the team that frames your decisions. Mm-hmm. And I think if your values, uh, I, I'm confident that the team collectively make value-based decisions. So. Uh, one of the proudest days of my life was to go and see The Rock uh, on a visit with Tony. Well, you need to, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, it was just fantastic to see. It's not often you do transformations that have a physical element to it of something that is really world-leading uh, for, for citizens. And I think uh, if you apply values to uh, good protocols around programs and transformations, expect that you have to adapt and there'll be... Uh, Tony, you talked to me about this, so many blockers... Uh, but if you address a bit like an astronaut, if you address one at a time, you tend to get through it. And uh, I think that's, uh, you know, we can be extraordinarily proud of the outcome of this transformation and, uh, and more to come. 
great. Now, what are some of the pitfalls and classic telltale, sale, telltale signs that all is not well um, with a program or a transformation? And how do you bring things, how do you keep things on track? And then how do you bring them back on track if they stray? There's several telltale sales or symptoms, if you like, mm. that would help you understand whether you're on track or not. And a lot of the times it's all about how you set up your governance. Mm -hmm. A lot of the time it's about what you report on, what is important to you to report on, uh, how do you track that report. Um, don't be afraid, and I used to do it all the time. I, you know, we set up Primavera and that goes into fine art detail. It's not uncommon for someone at my level, well, it's, it's truly not necessary at my level, but I still do it. I go into Primavera and I read something and all of a sudden I'm picking up the phone and saying, why have we slept five days on something like that? And they said, well, how did you know we slept five days? It, it's, you know, I ran um, VMCs, you know, like mm -hmm. you know, visual management uh, cells where I can actually track the fine art details, the RAG reports and all that sort of stuff. Um, all of that means nothing unless you truly have that driven properly from the start. Yeah. And I deliberately track programs in all the projects that we've got on our books, including The Rock, the way it was. And, you know, to be honest, uh, you know, if you don't stay on top of something um, when you've got to manage it from end to end, it will run away from you. Yeah. You know, my workforce was made up of labour hire in some cases, and labour hire, the clues in the title, you're paying a daily rate. Not professional services, what Ken provided me, but I had people that I was paying a daily rate to. And, you know, if you were to slow down a project or what they were working on, um, you know, for about a week, that is five days of extra rate at say two thousand mm -hmm. dollars a day. So when you have a workforce like that, um, you need to be actually stay on top of it, and you need to own it. At some point, that intellectual property is going to walk out the door. Yeah. So you need to really be connected to where it was with P and Partners completely different proposition. They came in as a professional service, which I entered into a contract with Ken that actually allowed me to use a whole lot of skills you know, at our disposal that were there from end to end. And Ken didn't worry whether or not, he wasn't paid a daily rate, he was paid a sum yeah. from end to end journey. And I think um, one of my lessons learned is, is that set up that model very early in the program, you will absolutely um, succeed each and every time. Mm. And I, I think just to add to that, I agree with everything Tony said. I, I think the one thing about transformation, particularly at the senior leadership team level, is alignment. Yeah. Mm. You, you have to be aligned uh, in where you need to go and, and what the future state has to look like because mm. without alignment, it just can't happen. And I think, uh, to Tony's credit and the Sydney Trains team, I think they uh, drove strong alignment. Uh, and, and once they got that alignment... Of course, uh, then they added to that momentum, yeah. uh, and and you know the the fruits of the labour of that hard work, I think uh, brings great pride to teams. I think they mm. enjoy doing stuff that is difficult, um, that people know so as potentially will say it can't be done. <laughs> and I think uh, when you when you visit the site, uh, you know it's always a good feeling to see it actually happen. Now, what are the, some of the tough moments um, that you can you can highlight, and how did you address them? Like, for example, the rock um, with Sydney trains. Look, there's always some tough moments. In fact, as I said in that la last podcast, you know, the rock just keeps on giving. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it, it was never a problem. There was always problems, but yeah. 
we treated every problem with open arms, right? So we actually took a problem. We weren't afraid of the problem. We sat down, we spoke about it. It wasn't about flaring the, the girls or, or getting cranky about it. It was what's in front of us, right? What have we got to do to get to the end state? What have we got to do to keep everybody focused? Uh, who do we need to help us with this? And we gathered around the campfire, if you like, and we'd, we'd brainstorm different things and we'd come up with something that's workable. We all then put that action into place and we track it and track it and track it until we got out of the problem. The thing was is that it looked like every second day there was a new problem. And, you know, having that courage and resilience and, you know, the you know, the keep going and keep driving, knowing that there's another problem around the corner and not getting distracted by yeah. the noise around that and just focusing on just delivery, focusing on solution-led um, outcomes and then just driving to that end state, um, I think is part of that success and we didn't do it alone I mean Ken and his team were you know with Jeff Howard and others and um, some of the early earlier decisions that we've made along the way you know they came on that journey with us mm -hmm. and uh, we we crossed the finish line together and I think it's a it's a great you know story it's great for, for Ken and his team it's great for us it's great for the community mm -hmm. you know it's there forever it's something that you know is our legacy that we leave behind that uh, for the for the greater good of of Sydney and its transport model, um, we've built something that's going to be there and operating for the next hundred years. Can is there anything? You oh yeah, look, I think there's a couple of things. So I, I think uh, Tony touched on it, but telling the truth in difficult transformations means your decision making can be a lot richer because you've got multiple opinions because you understand the problem. I think what uh, Tony and Jeff Howard did is. Uh, recognising there will be tough times is to retain a high level of morale in the team. I think uh, that in transformation is a bit like a, a force multiplier of effort. You know, happy people, engage people, uh, always deliver better outcomes than people who are not engaged. And I think both Tony and Jeff worked extraordinarily hard internally, externally, to retain the morale of their team, but weren't afraid to deal with difficult issues. And tell, that's why I say transformation is about truth telling. Mm -hmm. When you've got a problem, it's on the table, everyone has an opinion, makes for richer decision making. That's terrific. Now, um, just to close here, just wondering if you have any final comments, counsel, tips, advice, recommendations for our audience in embarking on such a large-scale transformation? Yeah, I, I think for mine, it's very simple. Have the courage to take on something. Uh, have the courage to see it through to the end, in particular that last mile we keep talking about. Yeah. You know, projects are not designed to be seamlessly easy. Yeah. You know, if you build your own house, you will soon learn that, you know, every day there's a different problem. Now, multitude that completely by building or taking on a program don't be afraid to do it. Uh, you know, people told me, shut rock down. You know, if I shut rock down, we wouldn't have what we have today. So it's all about courage, it's all about taking it on, it's all about, you know, being honest about what you're trying to do, build the right team with you, uh, take everybody on the journey, uh, and then celebrate. Yeah. Any win or key milestone, bloody celebrate. And then at the end of it, um, take those people out that have worked with you, sit down and enjoy what you've just done. And that becomes the legacy for, for many generations to come. And it's exactly what we've been doing for decades in the railway and it, it's been working for us very well. It's terrific, very inspirational. Oh, I think uh, the message would be transformations are hard, mm -hmm. uh, but they're worthwhile because yep. they're absolutely necessary. I think the second thing is the 
selection of uh, you know Tony as sponsor uh, and, the, and the time spent selecting people to support a transformation is just as important as the protocols you put behind the transformation itself. Uh, I think the best people always have a happy knack in transformations and delivering, uh, regardless of the challenges put in front of them. I'm absolutely confident that uh, end to end we had uh, internally to trains and externally we had our best people on it. And yep. I couldn't be prouder of what The Rock's achieved uh, for citizens. It's a milestone event, uh, I think, and, and many more things to come for, for Tony and his team to 2024 and uh, lots of challenges ahead. Terrific. Well, thank you both. That concludes the PM podcast for today. Um, it was terrific to gain access to some of the wisdom, some of the best brains in and deepest knowledge of large-scale transformations here in Australia. So thank you, Tony from Sydney Trains, and thank you, Ken from PM Partners Group. Do feel free to send through your questions, topics, and speakers for the PM podcast to info at pm-partners.com.au. And I encourage you to listen to or download the podcast that Tony's previously referenced, where he outlines in great detail with Jeff Howard the program um, and transformation that was the rock for Sydney Trains. Thanks for listening and bye for now.